Ayolehihu to all you listeners. I'm your host, Alastair Murden, and this is Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. Now, this might sound cheesy, but I really do love regaling you each week with delicious tales. And if you haven't been with us before, this is the show where we tell short stories about beliefs and law from cultures around the world. Today, we're going to the Swiss Alps for some lactic education. Swiss cheese is known for its rich textures and holy appearance. It can be served with charcuterie, tucked into a sandwich, or paired with a bold glass of Merlot. But those who live in Val d'Onevere, a valley in the Swiss Alps, cheese is more than a snack. It's directly tied to your life and your death. Le fromage du mort, the cheese of the dead, is typically given to a person at their baptism or wedding. This cheese is kept until the recipient's death, then served at their funeral. The cheese will age as much as the person, which means that if a person dies of old age, their cheese becomes so hard, guests need an axe to cut through it. Practitioners of this tradition treat their cheeses well. They hang their wheels in their basement away from mice. Some regularly brush their cheeses to keep them in tip-top shape or closely monitor the storage room's humidity. But some just toss it in their fridge and forget about it, which doesn't bode well for their longevity, because the kind of person who doesn't tend to their cheese might not take care of themselves or anyone else. And just like cheese, people can rot. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, a young Swiss stud gets a stinky wedding gift. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Laurent stood at the outdoor altar, staring deeply into his bride Celia's eyes. The summer breeze blew through her long golden hair. The Swiss Alps framed them, the snow-capped peaks looking straight out of a postcard. He grabbed her hand and squeezed. Celia was amazing. She was so funny and gorgeous, not to mention selfless. She was a social worker in England, but now that they were getting married, she wouldn't have to worry about working anymore. Laurent would make sure of it because she was the perfect bride. And he, of course, was the perfect groom. Laurent was handsome, charming, and his banking career was on the rise. He was technically only a junior manager at the bank. The last promotion had gone to a woman because of some new gender equality policy. It wasn't fair. But 
it also wasn't his fault. One day, he'd get bumped up and start making real money as long as he put in the work. He was a catch, he knew, and Celia was lucky enough to cast the perfect net. Ah, how the stars had aligned. When the priest pronounced them husband and wife, they would take on the upper echelons of the Geneva social ladder. You may kiss the bride, the priest said. Laurent's heart sang as he kissed his wife. Laurent escorted Celia down the aisle, reveling in the cheers and hollers. Before them, old wooden chalets rose up against the blue sky. Celia whispered, I was wrong about Grimmins. It's the perfect place. I love you. Laurent squeezed her hand. She'd wanted to get married in the UK, but he insisted on tying the knot in his hometown, Grimmins. He'd been right, of course. It was beautiful. But he'd had another reason. He wanted to make sure all the mountain folk knew how well he was doing, set a good example for what they could do if they only worked hard enough. After all, he was thriving while they were all stuck in their boring, forgettable small-town lives. Like his father, Renard, who stopped them as they were walking down the aisle. Tell me when we can have a moment. Uh, I have a gift. Laurent nodded, told him they'd deal with it later, then pulled Celia over to the photographer. He didn't like to linger around Renard, his papa was embarrassing. At 70, Renard hadn't left Grimmins once. He was born a cattle farmer and would die one. He had nothing to leave Laurent but a ramshackle cottage and some cows. Someone popped a bottle of champagne and waved it through the air. The spray hits Laurent and Celia and he licked his lips. Its sticky sweetness was delicious. He'd always wanted to be a part of the elite. He wanted finery, comfort, importance. Laurent basked in the rapture of the night. Every toast talked about how special he was. Every gift had his name on it. And Celia was wonderful too, though he didn't see her much. He was too busy enjoying the festivities. Laurent's revelry was interrupted when Reynard finally cornered the couple. He eagerly offered them a circular package. Laurent took it and began unwrapping it. It was quite heavy, dense. It was a wheel of cheese. He stared at it, dumbfounded. Celia also appeared perplexed. Thanks, Reynard. It's a lot of cheese. Reynard was gleeful. It's Le Fromage de Mort. I got mine when I married your mother, and now it's time I gave you yours, Laurent. Laurent finally found his voice. Papa, you're giving me death cheese. At my wedding, <laughs> you're supposed to give a gift to the couple. Renard chuckled. <laughs> it's for Celia more than you. She'll eat it when you die. Before Laurent could tell his papa how silly that was, Celia cut in. I'm sorry, I'm a bit lost. What's this cheese for? Renard gestured to the cheese. It's an old Swiss custom in Grimmins. We give someone a wheel of cheese at their wedding, and they keep it for their entire life. Then it's served at their funeral. 
See how delicate this cheese is? Renard pressed a finger into the wheel, leaving an imprint on its surface. So vulnerable. That's you, Laurent. A young man who still hasn't settled. And in time, you'll grow older, wiser, more set in your ways. So will the cheese. Laurent's cheeks flushed. He wasn't vulnerable at all. He was the youngest manager at Richez. Not that his father would know about ambition. His face was beaming over a wheel of cheese. It's like his papa had never eaten at a Michelin restaurant before. How sad. But to his surprise, Celia gripped his hand, her eyes shining. I think it's romantic. It's something to leave behind for your loved ones. Renard nodded. It's your legacy, so take care of it. Laurent silently groaned. Why should he care about what happened after he was gone? He'd be dead. Take care of it, or what? Renard's demeanor darkened. Do you remember your mother's fromage, Laurent? Laurent shook his head. His mother had died young and suddenly from a quick illness. He remembered tears and devastation at her funeral, but no cheese. Renard leaned forward. Exactly. She didn't keep her cheese. She used it up, and the consequences were dire. Laurent bristled. <laughs> You're saying Mama died because she didn't keep her cheese wheel? Renard looked away. All I know is the tradition. But I have a theory. Those who waste their cheese waste their life. They die early. Laurent had had enough. He stood and told Reynard he was going back to the party. Celia thanked Reynard profusely and took the cheese in her arms. Laurent knew Celia loved family traditions. It was charming, but he'd convince her that it was silly. He was always right after all. Except maybe about the wedding location, because suddenly Laurent wanted to get out of Grimmins and get back to Geneva. He needed to work. When Laurent and Celia returned to their Geneva apartment, Laurent promptly tossed the cheese in the fridge and forgot about it. In fact, Laurent forgot about everything. The wedding, Renard, even Celia. Being home in Grimmins had supercharged his determination. He disappeared into work, spending evenings with clients and days cozying up to his boss, Mr. Alar. The latter was difficult. Mr. Alar complained that Laurent worked too hard and only ever came to him with spreadsheets or graphs. Laurent realized eagerness wasn't going to get him anywhere. He needed to be more personal. Then, during a company lunch, Laurent found his breakthrough. He saw how Mr. Alar loved cheese, ate nearly a whole wheel of it. So he immediately regaled Mr. Alar with tales about the cheese of Grimmins, including Fromage de Mort. When Mr. Alar's interest peaked, Laurent had an idea. He knew just how to get on his boss's good side. He invited Mr. Alar for a meal.
The evening of the dinner, Laurent ran around the apartment, hurrying to prepare it for Mr. Alar's arrival. Lighting was dimmed, wine was opened, and the table setting was arranged. He wished their place was bigger, of course, but alas, it would have to do. He grabbed some crackers and spread them on a cutting board, a beautiful oak platter they'd gotten at the wedding. Then he took some charcuterie and arranged it neatly around the crackers. Now for the cheese. He opened the fridge and lifted out the fromage du mort, just as Celia came into the kitchen. She stopped, her eyes wide. What are you doing with that? Laurent explained. My boss loves cheese, and I told him about Papa's gift. I thought he'd get a kick out of it. Celia closed the lid. That cheese is supposed to last a lifetime. You're going to use it all up on a work dinner? Laurent laughed and reopened the box, cutting the cheese into two pieces. I'll only use half. It's huge. Plus, shouldn't I get to enjoy some too? It's my cheese after all. Celia's eyes filled with tears. So you don't care if I get any? After you're gone? Laurent kissed her, licked his fingers and said, Don't be sad, Seal. Why would you want cheese anyway? I'll leave you money and all of our many houses. But Celia didn't smile. She just stared at the cheese, eyes filled with worry. The night went off without a hitch. Mr. Alar and his wife loved the cheese. Laurent was a star host. He was so busy entertaining, he didn't really pay much attention to Celia. But when he finally looked at her, he noticed she wouldn't stop staring at the fromage du mort. She wasn't very fun. Good thing Laurent was charming enough for the both of them. Later, when dinner was over, Mr. Alar pulled on his coat and turned to Laurent. You know, Laurent, there's a senior manager position opening up, an overseer for our largest client accounts. Are you interested? Laurent was nearly salivating. All he could do was nod. I thought so, and I think you'll be perfect. But there's one thing that would make me certain. The Bufours are in town, and... Of course, we want them on our client list. They've been a little cold with our other senior managers, but something tells me you're just the guy to warm them up. If you can make that happen, the job's yours. Laurent couldn't believe it. The Bufours were owners of a shampoo empire. This was big money. Mr. Alar clapped him on the shoulder and told Laurent he'd set up a meeting for Monday morning at the office. Before he left, Mr. Alar winked. I heard the Bufours like cheese too. That night, Laurent lay awake in bed, plotting how he'd spend his new salary. He imagined an updated wardrobe, moving to a high-rise, dinners at four-franc restaurants instead of two. The dinners would be good for his marriage, too. He knew Celia felt neglected, but it was temporary. He'd have time for Celia when he was making real money. Laurent spent Sunday preparing for the meeting. He went over his company's impressive selling points, but mostly he researched the Bufours, what they liked and what they didn't. 
He needed to have conversation points at the ready. It didn't even feel like work because this was what he'd been waiting for, the moment that all his wants and desires hinged on. Tomorrow, his dream life would be waiting for him. But when Laurent woke up, he was shivering. His vision was all spinny and delirious. It was such an unfamiliar feeling that it took him a moment to realize what was happening. He was very, very sick. Coming up, bad things happen when you don't take care of your cheese. Hi, I'm Christine Schiefer. And I'm M. Schultz. We're the hosts of Rituals, the new Spotify original from Parcast. If you've heard our podcast and that's what we drink, you know we are no strangers to true crime and the paranormal. We're also into the occult uh, to chat about, not to join, but, you know, to, to learn and educate. <laughs> Every Monday on Rituals, we're journeying through mystifying stories of sorcery, alchemy, Satanism and more and trying to determine if the dark arts of the past impact us today. Like weather witches, who were they? Or the Fountain of Youth? Address, please. <laughs> Don't forget about werewolf trials, Em. Objection, Christine. Let's not give too much away. And instead, let's tell everyone to follow our new podcast, Rituals, free and only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. Laurent couldn't be sick. He was never sick. But when he trudged to the bathroom mirror... He gasped. He looked terrible. His normally chiseled cheeks were sallow, his eyes bloodshot. This was awful timing. He was meeting the Buffalls today. They were old Swiss money. Old Swiss money did not reschedule. Celia appeared behind him just as he said, I can't believe this. I never get sick. She seemed nervous. You know, I told you not to eat that cheese. Laurent's jaw dropped, but Celia's steady gaze didn't waver. If that cheese is your life, then you just gave away half of it. Laurent was annoyed. The cheese wasn't his life, but he could feel something odd happening inside him. It was his heart. It was beating way faster than normal. He put his hand to his chest and felt it racing. It made him wonder, just for an instant, if Celia was right. If maybe, just maybe, he'd made a horrible mistake. But an instant later, he decided it was just a panicked thought. He was under a lot of stress. Of course he'd get nervous and shaky on such an important day. When he told Celia so, she nodded but she still looked uneasy. Why don't you call Reynard? Maybe he'd have some advice. Laurent winced. The last thing he needed was Renard. He didn't want to be reminded of his papa's failures, not today when he needed to succeed. If he's gotten in your head this much, I really don't need him to get into mine. Celia continued to eye him. He told her he was fine, and he really had to get ready for work. Laurent pulled himself together in their bathroom. He put on some of Celia's foundation to get color back into his face. Then he donned a neatly ironed suit and spritzed some cologne. Off-brand Guerlain, 
but it smelled like the real thing. Just as he finished his preparations, his stomach growled loudly. He realized he was starving, which would explain why he felt so weak. He needed something to tide him over before the meeting, otherwise he'd be all loopy. But as he turned, his knee twisted at an odd angle. A searing pain followed. Ouch! He grabbed onto the bathroom counter for balance. After a moment, he tried to stand up straight again, but he couldn't. He couldn't put any weight on his leg without the pain. It must be a... a... He had no idea. Laurent worked out seven days a week and never got injured. His knee shouldn't have gotten messed up from turning too quickly. Laurent didn't have time for the why. He had to do some damage control, fast. He couldn't very well hobble up to the Bufours. Laurent limped into the kitchen and grabbed an ice pack. He rolled up his pant leg and pressed it to his knee, relieved by the frigid touch. He breathed deeply and whispered to himself, You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll get something to eat. You'll feel better. Then you'll go into the office and get that promotion. After he said it a few times, he felt better. So he took one more deep breath and opened the fridge. It was pretty bleak. They hadn't gone shopping since the dinner party. He checked his watch and swore. He wouldn't have time to grab anything on the way. He'd just have to be hungry. Then he noticed his cheese on the counter, wrapped in wax paper. His stomach growled again. For a moment, he thought about Celia's warning that he'd given away half his life already. But then he batted the notion away. It was just cheese, not magic. He took a knife and cut off a slice, sighing in relief as the buttery texture hit his tongue. This was some good cheese, and it really was doing the trick. He ate another slice, then another. His meeting notification beeped with such a jolt it startled him, sending him forward onto his bad knee. He cried out as it buckled under him and he pitched forwards and smashed his head into the counter. Laurent fell to the ground and groaned, clutching his throbbing head. He'd really hit it. His vision spun. Celia ran in. What's happened? Oh my God! She knelt to help him up, but he shook her off. Stop, I'm, I'm fine. But he hissed as he stood, the pain in his knee now joined by a splitting headache. His heartbeat continued to race. Celia steered him towards the living room. That's it, you're staying home. But Laurent pushed her away. I'm meeting the Bufours today. How many times do I have to tell you? Celia took his hand. You can reschedule. We can watch TV all day or something, just until you feel better. He snapped. Do you really need so much attention that you're going to stop me from the biggest day of my career? Celia's eyes flashed. I don't need attention, but I do need my husband to notice I exist sometimes. Whatever, go. You're obviously keen on giving your life away. Celia nodded towards the cheese. 
About a quarter of the wheel remained. Laurent groaned. It was just a tradition and a silly theory from his unsuccessful aging father. Renard seemed intent on holding Laurent back, even from afar. Laurent glared at Celia. You know what? Maybe I'll bring the rest of the cheese with me. Mr. Alar said the Bufours liked cheese after all. It couldn't hurt. Celia's jaw dropped as Laurent snatched it from the counter. Then he limped out of the kitchen. Laurent's head spun, his knee throbbed and his heart pounded, but still he needed to get to his office. So he mounted his bike like he always did and pedaled hard. Except his maladies made it hard to steer. And though he managed to get into a rhythm, his dizziness wouldn't let up. It was like the world was slowly losing its definition. And then he blacked out. Laurent slammed into the concrete and awoke with a jerk. He hauled himself up and stared at the bike in shock. His knee was so injured it was practically numb. His suit was rumpled, his bike was unusable. And when he opened his backpack, he saw that some of the cheese had smeared onto the fabric, jostled by the crash or just the pedaling. But his watch was the most frightening of all. It was already ten. His quick pulse sped up even more. He wasn't going to miss this promotion. He was not going to be like his papa, poor and forgettable, wasting away on a farm. He was going to run the banking world. He was going to have lots of money. And he was going to be happy. And the first step to all of that was this promotion, which meant he had to run. Laurent broke into a sprint, only he couldn't really go that fast. His knee was agonizing and his vision swam. Plus, each time he sped up, his heart pounded dangerously fast. So, he limped. After an agonizing journey, Laurent stumbled into the office, desperately smoothing his hair. Mr. Alar's voice was the first thing he heard. Ah, there he is. Laurent hobbled towards the conference room where Mr. Alar was sitting with a prim, well-dressed couple in their sixties, the Bufours. He saw Mr. Alar's eyes widen as he leaned into the couple, but Laurent ignored him. Instead, he held out a sweaty hand, which the Bufours eventually shook. Sorry I'm late. I'm sure Mr. Alar's filled you in on me. None of it's true. <laughs> he laughed but it came out wheezing, like his lungs were frayed from screaming. The Bufours flinched. Mr. Alar jumped in, telling the Bufours that Laurent was a rising star, but his voice shook as he spoke. Laurent sat and tried to focus, but his heart wouldn't stop racing, and he still didn't feel well. Maybe too much? He perked up. The cheese! I heard from a little birdie that you were cheese fans. Have you ever heard of the Fromage du Mont? The Bufours looked intrigued, so Laurent continued hamming up the practice of ancient death cheese. 
He pulled out what was left of the wheel and offered them a little cheese knife he'd packed. Help yourselves to the rest of my life. Mr. Alar smiled. Hmm, this is certainly special cheese. I had some the other night and I'll tell you, I've never had anything better. He nodded to Laron, satisfied. This meeting was turning around. The Bufours each cut a slice of cheese and popped it in their mouths. Their eyes lit up. Mr. Alar looked pleased. Laron beamed, his heart racing with excitement. The Bufours ate another slice. A shooting pain rushed through Laron's chest. His heart raced again, even faster this time. He massaged the spot, hoping it would go away. But it didn't. The Bufours took another bite. As the cheese slid down their throats, Laurent felt his joints twinge, then ache, like his bones were suddenly rubbing together. Mr. Alar reached out and cut himself a slice, and once that was in his mouth, Laurent's breath caught almost immediately, like he was underwater. His lungs were filling with fluid. His eyes widened in panic. His breathing grew raspy, his vision swam. Something was happening to his body, and it got worse each time a piece of cheese disappeared. Those who waste their cheese, waste their life. Renard's warning echoed in his ears. Laurent wheezed. His heart sped up. He shook his head, willing the words away. It couldn't be true. He was just sick, and he needed a doctor. He tried to get Mr. Alar's attention, but his boss was focused on the cheese, and Laurent's lungs wouldn't allow his voice to escape. His heart hammered faster. Then, Celia's words joined Renard's. If that cheese is your life, then you just gave away half of it. Their voices blended together in Laurent's mind, a cacophony of doom. Those who waste their cheese is for life. Then you just gave Another piece of cheese vanished. Laurent felt a stabbing pain in his stomach. It was true. All of it. What had he done? They weren't just eating cheese. They were consuming Laurent. He had to stop them from eating the rest, but when he looked at the table, his heart sank. The cheese was gone. Hope fluttered in his chest when he saw one last piece in Madame Buffon's hand. His arms futilely reached forward, trying to knock it out of her grip. But he was too weak to reach far. His arm dropped uselessly at his side. He watched, helpless, as she popped the piece into her mouth and swallowed. No, Mr. Alar, this cheese is so delicious, we'd be happy to be your client. Laurent's heart sputtered and his body went limp. He slid off his chair, hitting the ground hard. He vaguely heard Mr. Alar and the Bufours call for help but he didn't care about them anymore. He knew what he'd done. He thought there was virtue in working hard and having dreams. But jobs come and go, 
Richez wouldn't care if he died. But Celia would. And Reynard. Laurent wished he could tell them he was sorry. He was dying and didn't have a thing to leave behind for them. Not even cheese. In the rough, cold landscape of the Alps, food isn't easy to come by. Short-growing seasons have to sustain residents through long winters, so Alpine cheeses are made with sensational durability to preserve the cheese's nutrition for years. The way they maintain their heartiness is in the creation process. Cheesemakers cook curds and press out the whey to create a firmer wheel. Then, the fat forms a protective seal to trap in moisture and slow its drying. Alpine cheeses also get an edge in the durability game because heat accelerates aging. The cold climate of the mountainous Alps ensures a much slower degradation. In past eras, many still struggled to survive the coldest months of the year, and they worried about leaving loved ones destitute with empty, cheeseless bellies. Therefore, the fromage du Mont became something they could be sure of. At least, they would have cheese at their funeral, and their families would be fed. Today, there aren't many known practitioners of funeral cheese, but there are some relics. In 1944, one man of the Zufre family in the village Grimmens found two old wheels of cheese in his mother's basement. The cheeses were from the 1870s and likely still delicious. The family decided to continue the collection, and while their new additions aren't necessarily the funeral wheels of old, it's a delightful nod to the tradition. The Zufre family, like the ancient Swiss Alpine villagers, understands the beauty of the cheese. If you treat it right, it can sustain your loved ones long after you're gone. Which isn't so different from the legacies we leave. Renard stared down at his son's coffin, tears flowing down his cheeks. The Alps rose behind him like denizens of death. All around the autumnal graveyard, mourners cried. The mountain folk of Grimmins, everyone that had been at Laurent's wedding just months ago, were now here for his funeral. So was Celia. Renard stared at her desolate little form as she looked out at the scenery. She wasn't crying. She looked more lonely than sad. He felt the loss deepen. Renard knew that Laurent had thought he was a silly old farmer, but Renard had lived a long life filled with laughter and love. He tended to his cows just as he tended to those he loved. And he always would. Renard fished a chunk of cheese from his pocket, rock hard. So hard, in fact, that he'd had one of the neighborhood boys come over with an axe to break it off. He slowly approached Celia, holding out the chunk with his shaking hand, an offering of love. Don't worry, Celia. You can have this. It's from my wheel. 
Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. We will be back Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Kerry Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Superstitions was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Stacey Nemec and Greg Castro, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden. Werewolves, witches, and Arthur Conan Doyle? Oh my! Sounds like fascinating topics to discuss on our new show, Rituals, Christine. You know what, Em? It sure does. Every Monday on Rituals, join us as we explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. If you've heard our podcast and that's why we drink, this is the perfect pairing for you. And if you haven't, go give us a try. Follow our Spotify original from Parcast, Rituals. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.